Now you bring in the television cameras in here now. Come on, bring it in. Can't do that. Why? I don't deal with psychos. I put them away. I ain't no psycho, man. I'm a hero. You're looking at a fucking hunter. I'm a hero of the new world. You're a disease, and I'm the cure. A police officer takes on an army of violent criminals. Join us as we chat about single guys bringing a puppy into a bar, what Thanos should have done with his snap, and bizarre robot montages. Then we find out if 1986's Cobra stands the test of time. Time. James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with the glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Test of Time, the podcast where we talk about older movies, 15 years or way older than that, <laughs> and we see if they still hold up today. I'm James Brief, and joining me as always, my buddy and pal, the director of these episodes, Alan Noah. Hi, that's me. How you doing, James? I'm good, good. We're recording tonight on Long Island. Yes. Uh, at your home. Mm-hmm. And we got all the nostalgia around us. We got your pictures of you and Mr. T here. Uh-huh. Uh, we got the uh, lightsaber signed by Mark Hamill. Yeah. And the Super Mario World signed by uh, Reggie uh, Fizami, the uh, former president of Nintendo of America. That's right. This basement is sort of a shrine to my childhood, I guess. Yeah, I guess you'd call it like a man cave slash laundry room. It's my office. This is where I work. This is our guest room when people come to stay. This is my workout room. This is where I do laundry. This is where my closet is. It's a multi-purpose space. I, I do a lot down here. I spend a lot of time down here. And you noticed something uh, earlier when you looked into the refrigerator and you saw some syringes that I have in there. And it's a mildly amusing story, I guess. Courtney and I participated in this fundraiser over the weekend. It's through the library and you get a table. You have 10 people and you are supposed to decorate your table with a theme. And the theme can be anything. It doesn't really matter. But like the goal is to do something really kind of memorable and fun and interesting. And a lot of people do something that is pop culture related. So Courtney and I had a group of 10 people and we did our table around American Gladiators. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that you were a fan of American Gladiators when you were a kid. Is that fair to assume? Yeah, but I call it American Gladiators, but you know. Right, right. You said it wrong. Even though you watched it and they very, very clearly said American Gladiators, you were like, I bet they're saying it wrong. Exactly. And they had names like Laser and Blaze, Siren. I think Siren was a deaf, right? She was. That yeah. is correct. Um, yes. And a Turbo. And, you know, right. Um, I mean, in my childhood, I wanted to do uh, Double Dare. I wanted to do that. My, my brother was on Double Dare. I haven't talked about that, really. Wow. Um, there was a game show called 
fun house that I want to do so bad. I remember that. And then the uh, the final thing I want to do is I want to do uh, American Gladiators, the thing where you had to dodge the uh, the tennis ball g- g- gurney. Yeah. Uh, the, what was that thing called? Gauntlet. That was the gauntlet? Okay, yeah. yeah, that thing was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get the reference and the syringes were shots. They were kamikaze shots and, you know, it's a steroid joke. Get it? Shots, shots, ha, ha, ha. Uh, and we were giving out those shots so that maybe people would vote for us in the contest. We did not win, by the way. The table that did win, their theme was Willy Wonka. They built a goddamn Wonka Vader, like a full-scale Wonka Vader, you know, from the end of the movie when they go shooting out of the thing. I mean, it didn't fly obviously but it was like a really large thing that had lights and stuff and like i saw them rolling that up to the library i was like well we lost it's a full fucking wonka vader you know i thought you were gonna say willy wonka maybe they made all you know someone baked uh flowers that are that are candies or something or a teacup that you can <laughs> drink but like i mean come on i mean it's you know the, the guy that comes into a bar uh, a singles bar with like a puppy i mean uh, you can't compete with that Right, right. We had more than just the shots. We all wore matching shirts and we had a little joust set up where, you know, like those balance boards you can stand on. I suck at those because I have terrible balance, but we had like sticks so people could hit each other with those. Kind of like joust on American Gladiators. We had, uh, you know, those, um, what do you call them? Like um, knock them, rock them, sock them things. We put laundry baskets on top, so it was kind of like Powerball. Remember that event from American Gladiators? You had to, like, put the ball into the thing that wobbled. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I don't know if it was Sports Illustrated but uh, or Newsweek or something, but it was, must have been at least 10, 15 years ago when magazines were still a thing. I read a story on, like, the behind-the-scenes of... American Gladiators, and that is a wild story. They, they didn't get any money. They were going on, like, mall tours and, like, all kinds of crazy shit. And, of course, steroids and uh, violence and uh, crazy, crazy background story. So I guess that leads to my next question, which I think you just answered. You haven't seen the new documentaries about American Gladiators. No, I said that completely uh, ignorant to that. There, there is a documentary. There are two, actually. And apparently the better one is the one that's on ESPN+. And, like, I haven't figured out how to watch it because I don't have ESPN+. I have regular cable and ESPN, but it doesn't seem to be on the channel. And it's not on Disney Plus or Hulu or any of the other Disney-owned platforms. There's also a Netflix one. And Courtney and I started watching that. We didn't really get too far. But, you know, it's interesting about the behind the scenes story. I want to keep watching the Netflix one. And that also kind of made it more timely to do that theme for this, uh, this fundraiser, because Yeah, everyone our age remembers American Gladiators, but now because of these documentaries, they're kind of like more in the zeitgeist, so I felt like it was a more timely theme. Again, we didn't win, so whatever, but uh, enough people came up to us and were like, yeah, that's pretty good. We also made a video of all of us on the team where we had like American Gladiator style intros with like, you know, fake bio information and us doing like silly muscle poses. It was cute. I am proud of our table, even though we didn't win. But enough of that trip down memory lane. Well, I guess we'll still be on memory lane. 
let's talk about Cobra. This is a movie that you picked, and I took one look at the poster. And I was like, oh, dear God. It's funny you say that, because I was talking about this movie to somebody, and I said, I can tell you the entire plot of the film if you look at the poster for one second. Yeah. <laughs> and she saw the poster and goes, okay, I think I know what this film's about. Yeah. And the, the film does say on the poster, crime is a disease, meet the cure. <laughs> And it's Sylvester Stallone looking real badass. He's got that great gun and uh, it's got a laser pointer on it. It's really cool. I'm sorry. That that gun is so cool. Okay. For an 80s, I'm a cap that doesn't play by the rules. And like when there's a hostage situation and it's 1986 and the chief of police says, get me the Cobra. Like this is the kind of guy that he looks like. And, you know, you you asked me like, oh, you said I picked the film. And why did I pick the film? I I know you well enough to know what you'll like and not like. And, well, let's just say I wanted you to enjoy Cobra. Well, I wanted you to watch cobra (laughs) okay well i did watch it that is true let's tell our listeners what this movie's about in case they haven't seen it the movie stars sylvester stallone as lieutenant marion cobra cobretti a no-nonsense cop who gets results using unconventional and often violent methods cobretti is battling a cult of serial killers terrorizing los angeles A model named Ingrid witnesses one of their crimes and sees the face of their leader, the Night Slasher, which makes her the cult's next target. Cobra, his partner Gonzalez, and a police officer named Stalk bring Ingrid out of the city for her protection. But Stalk actually works for the Night Slasher, and the entire cult invades a sleepy upstate town to kill Ingrid. But Cobra, who's basically a one-man army, kills all of the bad guys and saves the day. You know, um... I did not see the full documentary, but uh, there is this documentary series on, I'm pretty sure it's Hulu, if I remember correctly, Uh, it's about Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold and uh, Sylvester Stallone are famously, uh, you know, uh, one-upping each other. And, you know, I think it's safe to say that in terms of action, you know, looking back on it, Arnold, uh, you know, probably was the bigger star in the end. But back then there was a thing where they wanted to have like a higher kill count than each other. I only say that because... um, this film really seems like they're trying to get the kill count up. Like movies like uh, Hot Shots. Uh, I think it's Hot Shots or maybe the second one where they have a kill count and they basically are like, yes, this is the most violent film in history and they're celebrating it. Like that was a thing in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, but wait, before we get into the kill count, don't you want to tell me about the box office? Yes, yes. Uh, let's talk about the box office. Um, it was a $25 million budget, which is pretty high for 1986. Uh, the film opened on May 23rd, 1986. It was number one for two weeks in a row. It made uh, $12 million, uh, $15 million over that Memorial Day weekend. And it wound up um, with $49 million. It was the number 15 film of 1986. So, you know, another solid performance, I guess. You know, certainly not what they were expecting. You know, I'm sure Rocky IV made, uh, I don't remember what the budget was, but you know, that was Blockbuster and, so, and also Rambo Part Two. I mean, the movie made money. It just was a disappointment because it didn't make as much money as they wanted it to. 
All right. So when the movie starts, it starts with voiceover. So my eyes roll because, of course, they do. And the voiceover is all about crime. And it's these statistics about every 14 seconds there's a crime and every two minutes there's a murder or whatever. I'm making these numbers up. But, like, I guess my question to you is, was crime, like, a really big thing in the 80s? Were people really worried about it? I mean, I know people talked about New York City before, you know, they cleaned up Times Square, but— you know, we were kids. Was that like a thing that people in America were really terrified of in 1986? Well, it's interesting. We've been doing this podcast long enough that had we reviewed Cobra, uh, you know, six years ago, I would have said that this is a totally outdated thing. You know, it was the 80s, like the Warriors. And today, crime is now number one again. And we have an election coming up next year. I guarantee you that uh, one side is going to be pounding like the other side soft on crime. And I think Cobra still has that 70s, 80s, like the city equals crime ridden jungle. We've done this before. Even Robocop, which technically was a near uh, uh, future film, it still had like the crime is overrun. And we reviewed the Warriors, like I said. It's it's a theme. I think it started dying out. You know, you start having Los Angeles being more like diehard, where, you know, it's just a regular city and crime happens. But this is something like, uh, you know, th- this uh, opening scene where there's a hostage situation in the supermarket. Of anything, it's almost like too test of timey today. Uh, back then, it's more of like, you know, kind of an over-the-top kind of crime thing that uh, bring in the cobra and he saves the day. But today, that opening scene uh, had a very different meaning. Well, right, because the opening scene is a guy bringing a automatic or automatic style weapon. I don't really know a lot about guns and I am happy to sound ignorant when talking about guns. But like an automatic style weapon into a supermarket and what? <laughs> I know you say you don't know anything about guns. It was a shotgun. Apple. It was a shotgun? Maybe he had another gun, but he definitely had a shotgun because that guy that runs away yeah, yeah. in slow motion, like yeah. he blows him away with a shotgun. Okay. Unless he had a second gun, but I mean, even if you don't know anything about guns, you don't know the difference in a shotgun and an automatic weapon. I could have sworn he had an automatic too. Maybe he maybe he came in with an automatic. That, that's possible. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely right. The one guy who he kills, he, he does kill with a shotgun. Whatever reason, I had it in my head that it was an automatic because I was like, holy shit, that does stand the test of time, unfortunately. But it's true that people carry these big, huge guns into supermarkets and they start killing. The thing about this scene in the movie that doesn't stand the test of time is that I believe the only person who he kills is the guy who he shoots with the shotgun. He has all of these other guns and he kind of rounds up the hostages, but he doesn't kill wantonly indiscriminately, which is what you would expect in 2023. Um, There is one woman right when he comes in, he seems to kill her right away. Okay. Uh, They don't really show it. And this is a very violent film. You would think they would show as... uh, Cobretti is coming in, like him kind of having to step over bodies, maybe doing the thing where he puts his finger on the neck. Damn it. But um, surprisingly, you're right. Like there isn't as much uh, violence. And I think that's kind of on us that we're like, I have to think which uh, 
horrible mass shooting was the one in the, uh, the supermarket, but I do remember it was the one in Buffalo. Yeah. And I think like seven people were killed. Or I might be wrong in the exact number, but it was not like one. Yeah. And it's uh, it's almost like if they were, were doing this today, I mean, there would easily be half a dozen people being killed because that would almost be like, oh, it's almost not reported. And I mean this in such a pathetic way yeah. that uh, there's so many. Like you hear one of these statistics that were recording this in September and it's one of those things like there probably have been you know five or six hundred mass shootings and we only hear about uh, the, the ones that are like way over the top uh, probably only only two or three killed like that's just another day in America right so that that opening scene the rest of the movie doesn't necessarily have this tone but the first scene uh, I thought it was pretty cool. I, I thought it was badass. I thought the guy was totally deranged. And he does say something interesting. I thought the film has an interesting part that is not just a random serial killer. It's these people that want to start a new world order. And who is this guy? You don't know. He dies in the beginning. And the first scene was a little more intriguing than I thought would be in, the, in this film that I didn't have as much respect for going in. Well, let's talk about the new world. I believe, and I could be wrong, I don't think they say the words New World Order. I think they just say New World. You're correct. Okay. I'm not splitting hairs to be a pain in the ass. I guess I am. But the reason is, is that the first time that guy in the supermarket says the New World, I was like, what is he talking about? And he says something about, I'm going to start killing people unless you bring in the TV cameras. And, you know, from a test of time perspective, it's like, well, now he wouldn't need the TV cameras because he could just be live streaming on his phone. But then while Cobra is, I don't know, like eating lunch or something at home, there's a TV reporter on in the background and they're talking about this serial killer and it's the Night Slasher. And the information that we glean is that at first, they thought it was one guy, one serial killer, and then Cobra suspects it's more than just one person. But they are only killing people with knives and things that are silent, like no guns, basically. But then the guy who we see in the supermarket in the first scene, he's using a gun. So there was this disconnect where I didn't really follow the whole New World thing. And I really don't think they explained it because you could, right? It could be, oh, there's a guy and we think it's just one serial killer because he's only killing people with knives. But then we find out, no, he's got an army of people and there's lots of people killing people with knives. But then they decide, no, we're escalating now. We're not just knives. Now we're guns and now we're full on terrorists. Like it could evolve. It could change over the course of the movie. That could happen, and maybe that's what we're supposed to understand, but it is not explained at all. You know, you bring a good point uh, up because I remember right after the supermarket scene, there's all these reporters coming out, and Cobra walks past all of them. They, they kind of know who he is. It's very weird because, first of all, the reporters are like, is this related to the Night Slasher? And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know anything about the Night Slasher, but... 
I would assume the night slasher is like a nighttime guy. Right. You and know? this is a grocery store <laughs> right. killer, broad daylight, yeah. with a gun, not a slashing weapon. Right, exactly. And then there's also something very odd. You know, obviously today, these things end in one of three ways. Usually, uh, the coward's way is these guys just turn the gun on themselves and take themselves out. The cops take them down, capture them, take them down somehow. The cops subdue them. Or third way, which has happened, uh, there's some uh, Samaritan that, that saves the day. Rarely, unfortunately. It's usually not the good guy with the gun that saves the day. Right. But um, in the situation where the cops take down one of these school shooters or, uh, or you know, some good Samaritan in the mall or Walmart, like, takes out the guy... Usually in those situations, people are like, all right, good cop. Uh, You know, thank goodness this guy was there, you know, with his hunting rifle or whatever. And weirdly, there's a reporter that's really, really into the rights of the killer that was just killed. Because he goes, what are you doing, Cobra? Taking the law into your own hands again? What about his rights? And he didn't have a trial. And it's like... This wasn't Cobra going in and just murdering the guy. He even says, drop it. It was by the book. Forget any kind of thing people might have against cops or whatever, a bad cop in the wrong situation. This was, of all things, the number one thing a cop could have done. He saved all the hostages from a guy that obviously was willing to kill hostages And he gave the guy a chance to give up. He talked to him. I thought it was incredibly weird. I I didn't understand it. Well, I think there's a bigger theme there. But before I get into that, I do also just want to point out that no fucking reporter would say that. That's not what reporters do. They go there to collect information and that's it. Not to inject their own philosophy and say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. That's not what a reporter does. If someone does that, they are not a journalist, okay? Maybe they work for a newspaper, but probably not for long. So that is horrifically inappropriate. But I think the real answer to your question is that is the theme of the movie. And it comes up later when Cobra is talking to Ingrid. Ingrid is like, well, how does this happen? Well, I thought you were supposed to arrest the bad guys. And how are these bad guys on the street? And Cobra says, we take them off the street, but talk to the judge. They put them back on the street. Very test of time. I mean, that's exactly what uh, one side of the political spectrum says. The revolving door courtrooms or something like that. Right. So that is what this movie is saying. This movie is making the point that what you really need is you need these good cops who are just going to shoot the bad guys. Just let them kill the bad guys. Don't be like that bleeding heart reporter who's worried about the killer's rights. Come on, that's stupid. If there's a shooter, you kill him. The cops need to kill him. I think that overall philosophy that cops should be allowed to kill anyone they want to without worrying about silly things like due process Yeah, that is a sweeping oversimplification. And if that's what this movie wants to make that point, if that's what Sylvester Stallone really believes, okay, you can make that point. I don't think this movie makes that point. No, that's Copland. If you want to talk about bad cops, we will review that film, Copland. You know, the opening scene has to establish that. 
Like, we can't get anyone in. Get me the Cobra. I don't think he did anything that any law-abiding cop wouldn't do. He tried to defuse the situation, and as a last resort, he killed the guy. And the first thing he does, I actually thought it was kind of cool, the first thing he does is he goes to the hostages, and he, like, sees this woman, like, you know, cowering under the desk, and holds out his hand, and it's okay, ma'am, it's all over. Like, you're right, it almost seems like the chief should have said, he was gonna surrender and you didn't have to take him down. No, Cobra had to take this guy down. But you're right, the, the movie tries to show that Cobra's a guy that maybe is using excessive force. Again, I disagree. I think that in this scene, in almost every scene, his life is threatened. You said we can't have cops uh, killing people at due process. No, but I mean, literally every single time Cobra kills someone, there was a gun pointed at him. Uh, I, I think he's completely justified and probably did the city a favor by killing every single person that he killed. Well, Cobra acts like a good, responsible cop in that first scene. I think that changes over the course of the movie. When, by the end, he is basically like his other character, Rambo, or like a Terminator, where he is just mowing people down left and right. He is killing everyone. And yes, these people in that end, you know, siege in this small town, yeah, they're trying to kill him, but at no point does he ever try to, like, disarm anyone or shoot anyone in the leg, which, yes, I know is way harder to do in real life than it is to just say it in the abstract, but, like, he's just murdering people all over the place, and it's fine. And, I mean, it's very unrealistic, but also it's like, okay, now he's not just the cop in the supermarket who did the right thing and killed the guy. Now he's just going for the kill count. Now he's just, like, massacring everyone, and, like, the way he's spraying these bullets, he's gonna kill someone who's an innocent bystander. Like, it would be impossible for him not to. You know, um, there's another Stallone film from the 80s, uh, Tango and Cash. Well, we are going to uh, uh, review this film. I believe we have uh, some requests for this film. Uh, our friend Bruce Edwards uh, requested that one. Yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, Bruce, that'll be great. This film kind of mirrors that. It's cops that don't quite play by the rules, uh, Stallone and uh, Kurt Russell. And at the end, they become two-man army and just take down the uh, crime lord. And it's not really explained, like... There's like a 20 minute shootout. Like, why haven't the cops showed up? Like, this thing at the end of Cobra, there's a lot of gunfire. I mean, this isn't 1886, it's 1986. There aren't smartphones, but there are regular phones. Yeah. Somebody heard that there's a war going on. It's a weird ending. But, you know, circling back to your original question about what do I think about the, the new world, um, while not explored well enough, I think it's kind of a, a an interesting premise for the bad guys. Uh, How so? Because, I mean, it's one of these just anarchy groups. They're just trying to destroy the, the structure of the world. You know, and then you have this idea done in better forms. Uh, I guess uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy. You have the League of Shadows that kind of, uh, they're just going to disrupt society. Even in uh, uh, films like Triple X, uh, that, that Vin Diesel film. Like, you have the terrorists are just like, we just want to fuck up chaos. We're, we're agents of entropy. 
I kind of find it intriguing. Uh, I mean, you could say a lot of bad things about modern society that are totally messed up about how our priorities and what we do for billionaires and not for poor people. And you could easily make at least... Uh, at least an argument for disrupting the society. And then these guys are psychos and they murder. I just don't think they crossed into that interesting part of why they're doing it. it you know, take a famous example, Thanos from Marvel. Obviously, the guy is psycho. Uh, he wants to destroy half the universe. But at least you understand his motivation. Like, oh, it's too populated. I don't know why he doesn't snap his fingers and double the resources in the universe instead of killing half the people. Right. But, um, you know, if he has these powers, but whether I agree with him or not, we we get the motivation for the villain. And again, I think it's slightly intriguing, but it doesn't go anywhere. I feel like I didn't even get that little bit that you got. Because in that news report that I was alluding to earlier, what they are saying is that what the Night Slasher is doing when they're attributing it to one person, it's random. He's just killing random people. Nobody knows where he's going to strike next. And so it seems like what the Night Slasher and what his whole group, the New World, what they're going for is fear. What they want is to just destabilize the society. Nobody is safe. Okay, I don't really understand what the end game is there, but that's what they have done. They have made it so that everyone feels unsafe. Then Ingrid sees the Night Slasher, and then he's like, oh, we need to kill her because she's seen his face. She doesn't even know that he's a Night Slasher, and then they will stop at nothing to kill her. None of that makes any sense. If they're just trying to destabilize the city and the population and just kill randomly, why do they make her the number one target? They put a target on their back by going after her. She can't do anything. There's nothing that she can do that is really going to bring down this entire group, the Night Slasher. Like, none of that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, it's a typical premise. Someone witnesses a gang murder or some kind of murder, and then there's a chase, and we have to, you know, get rid of that uh, witness. It's, you know, it's a pretty typical crime trope. But I agree with you completely. It's not like she's in possession of the security tape. Or, yeah. And most of these guys are wearing, like, uh, pantyhose on their face and stuff. The main Night Stalker, he isn't, but, like... He is kind of generic looking. I, I mean, and like, uh, you know, he doesn't have a distinguishing facial scar. I mean, right. the actor's fine. It doesn't make quite make sense. Right. I bring that up because when you're talking about like, you understand Thanos' motivation, you understand what these people are doing. I didn't understand these guys at all. You mentioned Batman Begins. I was kind of thinking more of the Joker in The Dark Knight, where it's like, he just wants to fuck shit up because that's who he is. And his reason is he kind of doesn't have a reason, but I get it. I understand. This movie, I couldn't follow it at all. Well, I'll tell you, it doesn't really remind me as much of these Agents of Chaos 
they're they're very uh, subtle in what their plan is. It should have been explained a little clearer, but their plan is actually very similar to the. Uh, do you remember the plot of nineteen seventy something's uh, Moonraker? What the plot yeah. of the villain was? Do you yeah. remember what he wanted to do? He wanted to eugenics. He, eugenics. He wanted to have a perfect society of the most beautiful, the strongest, uh, the most intelligent, and basically make a utopian society like that. These guys. They have a kind of a eugenics thing. They want to call the weak. They don't really define who the weak is, but that's what they say. That they're basically going to create a new society of the strong, and they're going to kill all the weak. I guess people that can't defend against knives, but uh, it's not. It's not made clear. It should be made clear, more clear. But they do say that they're on a mission to like. Uh, only the strong will survive. Yeah, the Night Slasher says that once at the very end of the movie, like, we're we're strong, we're killing the weak. Like, the way you just described it, yes, I understand what you're saying, but that is not said in the movie at all. Right. And, like, if his mission is to only go after the weak, all right, then forget about that one lady who saw your face in the dark. Go after the weak people. Also, though, if you really do think that Ingrid is a real threat to this new world, there's a cop, Officer Stock. She could kill her very easily at multiple occasions. But instead, she's like, oh, well, I'll just bring the whole army here to kill her. Like, she's found out. Like, at the end of the movie, they realize that she was working with the Night Slasher then she's killed. But even if she's not going to be killed, she's found out her whole double life thing is gone. So if it means that much to her to kill Ingrid, just fucking kill Ingrid. You don't need to bring 800 of these renegade sociopaths to this small town. Right. And, you know, it's quite intriguing that there's a cop in on this New World Order. Like, Yes, that there should be other people. There should be politicians. You know, this is like Fight Club, that it's everyone. It's your barista, but it's also the president and CEO, and it's everyone is in this. That could have been very interesting, that you kind of got the feeling that in the end, these are kind of like Joker's henchmen, that these yeah. are like, just, they're probably all psycho, and they're all crazy. And no, it would have been more interesting, like if these were intelligent people, maybe a, maybe a doctor, like just starts killing his patients, a new world order. Or something I found it intriguing but it didn't go anywhere but uh, like this is based on a novel I don't know if, if you know that I did it, it's based on a novel that's actually been uh, made into two different films Paula Gosling she wrote a 1974 novel called A Running Duck and it was made into this film uh-huh. and uh, do you know what other film it was made into I forget the name of it but uh, Cindy Crawford and one of the Baldwins yes called Fair Game right right I can only assume that the novel kind of fleshes out a couple things that aren't quite put into uh, Marion Cobretti's character. I would hope so. I would think so. You know, even like as we're talking about The Dark Knight, in The Dark Knight, there are a lot of crooked cops in that movie. And that's like kind of the the problem is that, you know, Harvey Dent made a lot of enemies in uh, internal affairs and everything. I'm pretty sure that, like, the one cop who turns on, what's her name, Rachel, you find out that, like, she's really broken, her mom's in the hospital, something. I'm, I'm probably getting all these details wrong. But, like, there is a reason for that cop to be working for the bad guys. The woman in this movie, Cobra, she seems to just be in love with the Night Slasher. 
And I guess that's a good enough reason. But like you're saying like, oh, maybe there's more to it than that. There isn't. And I think it is worth pointing out that this movie was a lot longer. It was supposed to be 20, 30 minutes longer. And they cut it at the very last minute because Top Gun was a huge hit that year and Stallone was worried about it. So they cut a lot of time from this movie. And I will give them the benefit of the doubt that the movie did make more sense before they started making all of these cuts. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was just more guns and violence and, you know, bodies flying every which way. I don't know. But it is certainly conceivable that there was a longer version of this movie where they explained some more of this stuff. Also, just to be clear, you don't have to explain all of this stuff. If you just want to make a movie where Stallone is a cop who just kills bad guys, you can do that. But then don't make this whole new world thing. That's unnecessary. That only confuses matters. And if you're not going to explain it, then don't fucking bring it up. This film actually went through a lot of production. I don't know if you read behind the scenes about it, that Stallone was originally going to be involved with Beverly Hills Cop. Right. But he wanted Beverly Hills Cop to be like a darker film, not like you know Eddie Murphy, more laid back. Right. But when he didn't get the Beverly Hills Cop uh, the vehicle, then he decided he wanted to make another kind of like a dark cop kind of thing. And that's where this came from. He's definitely kind of channeling Dirty Harry here. There's a lot missing, too. The, the motivation of the hero, uh, the motivation of the villain, and exactly why this hero isn't by the book. That's what I'm really missing. He seems like a great cop. And I don't mean, like, a great cop by his definition of great cop. Yeah, he, he does a one-man army at the end, but still kind of saves the city, I guess. The movie ends with one of the chiefs that was kind of, uh, you know, very suspicious of Cobra. Like, Cobra, I don't like your violent methods. And then at the end, he does the typical, like, all right, Cobra, you did save the day. And Cobra punches him in the face. But it's not the satisfying punch like at the end of Die Hard when Holly punches the reporter in the face. Why was that chief so mad at Cobra? I don't get it. That character is just stupid. And apparently there was a version where that guy was the real Night Slasher. He was the real ringleader of the whole thing for some reason. That doesn't make any sense. Punching him doesn't make any sense. None of it makes any sense. Stallone wrote this movie. So if Stallone really believes that cops should be allowed to kill bad guys and that we don't need any more of these fucking pussy liberals telling cops that they can't kill people and we don't need these reporters asking all these questions about rights. Cops should be able to kill whoever they want. I don't agree with that philosophy, but this movie doesn't tell that story. The movie doesn't make you, the audience member, think, yeah, man, he should have killed more people. Like, no, Cobra kills a whole lot of people. And also, like, Explain it, like give Cobra a backstory that Cobra was a cop who didn't kill just every suspect that he saw. That's how you open the movie. Open the movie with young Cobra, all right? Young Cobra is at a uh, a situation. There's a guy with a gun robbing a convenience store and Cobra's like, all right, we're going to take you down. I'm going to bring this guy in. And his partner's like, no, fuck it. Kill him. Who cares? I want to get home. You know, my wife got some new lingerie. Just fucking kill the guy. Who cares? And Cobra says, no, we don't do that. We arrest him and we bring him in. 
And then what happens? Some liberal fucking judge lets that guy out, and then that guy kills Cobra's wife. Now Cobra wants to kill everyone. Now I understand why he is the way he is. I understand his philosophy. I might not agree with it, but I get it. But just like he starts the movie as he kills everyone, he ends the movie, he kills everyone. The Night Slasher, at the end of the movie, he taunts Cobra. And he's like, you can't kill me, pig. Also, he says the word pig way too many times. Like, I get it. You call cops pigs, but he says it like a thousand times in that one scene. He's like, you can't kill me. That's murder. You have a code. I can kill whoever I want. You can't kill me. Ha ha ha. It's like, dude. Cobra just killed, like, hundreds of people minutes ago. Why are you saying that he can't kill anyone? Why is Cobra also standing there thinking, like, shit, he's right. He's got a point. I can't just kill this guy. No, no, you can. You've been doing it the whole entire fucking movie. Just kill him. Like, so many of these things could have been made better. And by better, I even just mean, like, just following basic plot structure rules. These problems very, very easily could have been solved, even to make the point that Stallone wants to make. Or don't make any fucking point. Just make a silly action movie. Go the other way. But the way it is, it's just, it's nothing, you know? Like, it, it doesn't work either way, I think. So then, uh, you know, saying all this, uh, what do you think of 1986 Cobra? Do, do you think it stands up? No, no, of course not. It doesn't work today because if you wanted to make the point about crime is really scary and we need to have more tough cops out there. And like, I think that is what Stallone is saying. I think there are plenty of people in this country who would agree with that today. But then you need to make the movie more overt that that's what you're saying, that that's your point. And I think the way that Cobra is, it doesn't really make that point. It doesn't really reflect crime as we know it today. If someone shows up with a gun and starts shooting up a supermarket, yeah, that stands a test of time. Is it a white guy who's just shooting other white people? Eh, not usually. That's not how it's been happening lately. It's a white guy who's going after black people or Latinos or gay people or someone, some other that he doesn't like. I mean... If you're going to make that movie, then are you going to make it a super pro-policing movie? Ah, I don't know. Maybe not. Um, I'm guessing you heard about the movie Sound of Freedom. Yeah, yeah. From this summer or something about like child sex trafficking. Yeah, yeah. Basically, that was like a very right-wing propaganda kind of movie where Jim Caviezel or however you say his name, he's like rescuing kids who are being sex trafficked and... The movie doesn't fully go into all of the, you know, how do you say it? Adenochrome or whatever, like the the conspiracy theory. You don't know what I'm talking about? The hell? I have no idea. You are better off, James, for not knowing. But it's this whole fucking conspiracy theory that people are molesting kids and then killing them and drinking their blood for like the secret powers that it contains. And that's like the the boogeyman. And it's all basically anti-Semitic. This is a bigger conversation. It's really fucking disturbing. Don't look it up. Don't Google it. Don't listen to podcasts about it. It will depress the ever-loving shit out of you. But, like, that's what that movie is basically going for. Yeah, you can make a movie like that where it's like, hey, we just need a whole bunch of good guys that are just going to kill all of the fucking bad guys. There are some people who will eat that shit up. 
I don't think that's what Cobra is. I think it's sort of going in that direction, but like not really. And while Sound of Freedom was a movie that came out in 2023 and it did make a surprising amount of money, it was outside like the main studio system. I guess for the context of this podcast, a movie outside of the studio system is still a movie that's made. So I don't know. But while violence and crime are things that people are still talking about now, it's not this kind of violence and crime. It's in the same ballpark, but it's off. All of this movie is off, and it does not stand the test of time. It's disturbing and poorly made. The one-liners are stupid. Um, None of the plot makes any fucking sense. Also, we didn't talk at all about, I'm going to say her name wrong, Bridget Nielsen. She's in this movie because she was married to Stallone. They met on set of Rocky IV. They got married, then they got divorced a few years later. She is horrifically miscast as a damsel in distress. Remember what she looks like in Rocky IV? She is a tough, big, strong woman. And in this movie, she's like, oh, no, help me, Cobra. I mean, damsels in distress are a cliche and a trope anyway. But like, if you're going to hire an actress to be a damsel in distress and you want it to be your wife, like, yeah, I get it. But look at your wife, dude. She does not look like a woman who just desperately needs saving. She's tough. Also, this movie is edited really, really strangely. There's a lot of slow-mo and then a lot of really fast cuts. The montages are super fucking weird. Like the montage of Ingrid. So she's a model. And so she's doing a photo shoot with robots. Like what the fuck is that supposed to mean? They would show uh, Bridget Nielsen. She's beautiful and she's doing the typical like fashion show and it shows her and it shows the lighting. It shows that umbrella that lights up. Uh, You know, it shows the cameraman more, 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 you know, that whole thing. And then it shows a robot head, not in the, the photo shoot. And I'm like, what, what, what the fuck was that? Right. And then more model, model, photographer, makeup, robot head. And then eventually they show more of the robot. I think she does interact with it. And like she like stands in it. But it's so weird how they present that, how, how they edit that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At first I was like, did I miss something? Like I'm like rewinding. I'm like, where the fuck did these robots come from? I did the exact same thing. I rewound it and uh, had to find out why there was a robot in that scene. Okay. And so this movie comes out the year after Rocky four with the robot. Right, Rocky Four with the robot. Apparently, there is, by the way, a Rocky Four like Redux. Uh, it's a new version that's out, and it's like recut, and it's more about like Apollo or more about Drago or something. And there's no robot. The robot is edited out of the entire film. I think I saw that uh, online like a, a while ago. But for whatever reason, in this time of Stallone's life, he was really into robots for some reason. Also, his fucking car has nitrous just in like one of the car chases. He just like flips a switch and his car is nitrous. So much of this movie just feels like this is Sylvester Stallone's wet dream. This is what he wants to do. And he doesn't give a shit about plot mechanics, story, character development, any of that shit. And he does know all of those things. He fucking wrote Rocky. Stallone, you know how to do better than this. This movie is garbage. And no, it does not stand the test of time. What do you think, James? I feel like in another universe, another everything everywhere kind of universe, there is a universe where Stallone made 
four or five Cobra films. It's another Cobra film through the 90s. Then they started getting a little stupid. And then there was a reboot in 2018. And it was a big hit. This had a lot of the elements. It's peak Stallone. I mean, he looks great. He looks tough. There's a couple uh, punching scenes where, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to mess with uh, 1986 Stallone. He, sure. He looks great there. I think, you know, I think actually the Night Stalker guy is uh, cast well. He's creepy looking, but not too weird looking. Did you recognize him from anywhere, by the no, way? No, no. What's he from? It was driving me crazy because I knew that he looked familiar from somewhere and I couldn't figure it out. And I went through his IMDb page twice before I spotted it. He was one of the alien bounty hunters on the X-Files. And I was like, oh, that's where I know that guy. Similar kind of character, just sort of like, you know, a killing machine. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was driving me crazy until I saw that. Yeah, you know, I mean, you seem to have hated every part of this film. This film seemed to me... Kind of like your typical New York Mets team, where you know th- there's <laughs> New York Mets have a a lot of years. I mean, sometimes they're just disaster years, but like a, now, a lot of years they have a fantastic team on paper, and there's there's actually some good elements there. It just didn't have a real good manager to put the right people at the right time, in the right place, and I think that's where this film was. I think it probably had the right tools in place, but it just didn't have the right screenplay that was kind of setting up who Cobra was and who the bad guy was and who the New World was. I had to put too much like headcanon or like that one sentence he said. Let me expand it so it makes sense in my head, but I shouldn't have to do all of that. I think it's a little too violent. I mean, for the sake of just being 80s violent, not Tarantino, like Kill Bill has to have all this violence. That's just part of what it is. I I didn't think it was interesting. I wasn't kind of rooting for Cobra. Like, uh, I didn't really care about this city and like, all right, another woman gets killed and... Um, but it's a shame because I thought it could have been, uh, you know, in the 80s, like stupid kind of fun. It wasn't fun enough. It, it could be dark and fun, but this one wasn't that. So I agree with you. This film uh, does not stand the test of time. You know what? Like, as we're talking, it kind of occurs to me they could have made this a sci-fi movie. Instead of it just being present day Los Angeles, present day being 1986, they could have made it a dystopian future. And maybe that would have helped. You know, like if it wasn't so grounded in realism, maybe then they could have had a little bit more fun with some of these other plot elements and it could have been a little bit more interesting. Like RoboCop. Maybe. Now thinking of a dystopian future, now I'm thinking of The Running Man, where they set up all of these quote unquote interesting things about this future but then they never really explained it. I know you uh, and uh, Ben and Dom thought that I was nitpicking it too much, but if you're going to introduce some of these concepts, then introduce them and explain them and give them a reason for being in your movie. Otherwise, what's the fucking point? Don't give me the whole line about the New World Order unless you're going to explain what the New World Order is. <laughs> the Night Slashers army, all you ever see of them is them just like banging axes together. What the fuck? Again, I, I think you could have it interesting. Like in a slightly dystopian future, these are poor people. They're hungry. Sure. Uh, they, they, they're uneducated. I don't quite understand who these Night Stalker, uh, the, who this army is. Right. Exactly. And you could. You could. At least, you know, you made the reference to Christopher Nolan uh, in The Joker, his army. There's a part where you see some guy that has a bomb in him and he's like, the boss says all the noises in my head will go away. And you realize... 
oh, he has an army of crazy people. Right. Like he's exploiting them. Yeah. Uh, oh, that makes sense now because he's yeah. actually kind of maybe a genius to do this. And But we don't get that with uh, with the Night Stalker. No. Oh, well. So you were right that I watched this movie. You got that wish. Way to go. I think I got exactly the wish that I was going for by uh, picking Cobra. Okay, well then, fuck you. I mean, geez, man. But that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about a movie that I picked, a movie that is celebrating its 30th anniversary, Dazed and Confused. This is a movie I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a while. Perfect excuse if it's turning 30. Have you seen Dazed and Confused? Um, yeah, I've seen once before. Maybe clips here. Okay, all right. Well, that'll be an interesting one to discuss. In the meantime, we want to hear from you guys. Uh, please write to us. We are on Facebook, X, Instagram, threads. We are at Tested Time Pod. You can email us at Tested Time Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye.